So normally we start every show with the cold open, a little funny. We've talked about this before. Today we're not going to be funny. Today is really our opportunity to reach out to our student-athlete friends and their families out there. We want to talk about NIL. We've uh, kind of done a prelude to this on Twitter. But this is one of the uh, biggest questions or subject matter uh, you know, topics that we've seen over the last probably 13 years of doing this show uh, in terms of what the whispers are, what the concerns are, et cetera. We couldn't even find an AD really to come on camera until we uh, finally thought, hey, Trine's putting out a lot of material and we'll talk about our guests coming up in a little yeah. bit. But they're too scared, some of them, to come on camera right now because they don't want to say the wrong thing or have it come back to haunt them along the way. And JB, I understand it to a certain degree after watching kind of the Wild West scenario begin to play out with name, image, likeness, or NIL. Yeah, and, and similar to COVID, you know, every state, every school, every conference, every every place is is kind of developing their own rules and, and regulations on how to handle this. And there are some interesting and kind of frightening consequences for student athletes if they make the wrong decisions and they maybe sign up at the wrong place or they you know, don't file taxes or this and that. It could affect a whole number of different factors. So this is kind of an uh, educational video, you can say. Unfortunately, we have a, a, a pretty great cast of characters to help us um, you know, teach uh, parents, you know, student athletes, even administrators, well, whoever else might be tuning in about what this whole NIL thing really means for the future of the NCAA and, and college athletics. We're going to look at the concerns. We're going to look at some best practices. We're going to talk to people that really have their uh, hands and fingers on the heartbeat of this entire situation. Coming up here on this special edition of Season 13 of In the Huddle. Okay, uh, we don't want to waste much time here at the beginning of the show. Uh, we want to tell you, though, that coming up, uh, I, I'm going to name a couple here, and then I'm going to let JB fill in the blanks because I always screw this up and forget somebody along the way. But uh, in this show, we're going to start with an interview with uh, NCAA's uh, interim vice president for Division Three. That is Louise yep. McCleary. Uh, great interview with her to discuss NIL and where the NCAA is at in terms of both rules and administration of rules, ultimately. In other words, the effects on people that might make mistakes along the way. Uh, a lot of open questions will remain after that interview, but you need to hear it to understand where things are going. Then we're going to have Matt Land, who is the athletic director at Trine University, as we said in the cold open, they are ahead of the curve a little bit in terms of getting some of the materials out that they want their student athletes to see to understand what the school's rules are and what they can and can't do or should or shouldn't do at this point. JB, I'll let you take the next two. Yeah, and then following uh, following AD Land will be Lyle Adams, who is the CEO of a company called Spry. He's a former NCAA Division One uh, athlete from Wake Forest, <laughs> ironically also from my hometown here of Orlando. Uh, but uh, Lyle has started a company to help advise uh, 
young student athletes and their families and colleges, universities on some of the possible you know, pitfalls and, and a lot of the I's and T's that need to be dotted and crossed throughout this process. And finally, and probably most interestingly, maybe to some of the, the, the younger viewers is actually a student athlete, um, Caleb, AKA D flash Egan's a senior wide receiver at East Texas Baptist is going to come on. He, he was one of the first, probably the first, at least from what I could see from Twitter, Division three athlete to sign with a uh, NIL company or, or deal. And we get his perspective on, on things to wrap it up. Let's jump in here. Uh, we've come up with six uh, categories of concerns uh, that we want to talk about up front here, and we'll run them on the screen as uh, we talk about them. We're going to go up briefly on each. Some of them are very self-explanatory. So let's go. Why, what is this NIL concern list, uh, basically, that we're hearing from ADs, from student athletes, from administrators out there? Here's uh, where, what we've uh, kind of broken it down to. Again, not an exhaustive list, but it's at least some things to think about. First, most NCAA regulations don't rely on this many sources, including state law, NCAA rules, and school rules. Normally, we talk about the NCAA regulations themselves, and then the school kind of just falls in line with them, or the conference, or in the school, or whatever. This is a case where there are so many different pieces of information that you have to consider that it's unique. It's extremely unique in this respect. And that's something you got to understand when we say, do your due diligence, do your due diligence. That's the reason why. There are so many questions and uh, landmines along the way that you need to be cognizant of it. I'm also going to go to number two here. Every school is working independently on their own approach, meaning we're far from universal rules or best practices. JB, I think that's where the Wild West mentality has come from here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's going to be a challenge, particularly, you know, given the fact that in D3, you have schools all the way from as far up as Bangor, Maine to across the country to, you know, Tacoma, Washington, down to S Southern California, all the way to, to, to Georgia. So it, it's going to change all across the country. It's going to be different rules for different schools. And that's going to be a challenge. And that's why, you know, you'll hear later on, you know, sometimes getting some professional opinions in on this that no state law is a really key part of the process. Let's go to number three. Most schools cannot provide full tutorials to their student athletes until the fall semester. Uh, having this all come out in the summer, we talked to Louise McCleary about it a little bit here. Uh, it's something that obviously has vexed these schools because they've had to stop everything. You know, the July 4th week is normally a very quiet week at schools, but it turned into kind of a hellacious time for some of them because they needed to scurry to make sure their student athletes didn't make the wrong decisions right off the bat. But what level of control do they have over them until they get there for fall semester? So this is uh, something that's a huge concern for a lot of schools. Also, number four, mistakes by student athletes could cost them their eligibility and NIL violations may be easy for other schools to flag to the NCAA. Now, a lot of folks we talk to are saying we don't want to do the gotcha thing here. We don't want to see people lose their eligibility. But there are coaches and schools out there that are going to use these rules against their opposition. It's just the way things happen. We don't like to see it. We don't like to talk about it, but it's realistic. And for student athletes not to assume that somebody's going to be hunting them down or hunting down their activities to see if they can't get them in trouble is somewhat ignorant. Do the right things so they can't get you at that point. Any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we, we always kind of idealize D3 as being you know, about the student athlete. But at the same time, like any other competitive business, there are certain <laughs> cutthroat measures that, that happen. And, you know, even admissions and financial aid giving more money to certain kids to get them to enroll to their school, even though they may not need it. Uh, it happens. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to think of this in the most positive light and to try to set things up in the most positive way so that ultimately the student athlete and their family are put in the best and safest position so they don't end up in these kind of more cutthroat type of measures. Number five kind of goes with number four in some ways. Eligibility issues could force schools to vacate wins and championships if schools are not made aware of potential violations immediately. Think UMHB in 2016 and having a player that was later declared ineligible caused them to have to vacate games in 2016 and 2017, including their national championship. So once you, you pollute the situation because you didn't flag your activity in time for them to take the right measures, you're costing your school, not just you in that situation. You have to be cognizant of if a mistake is being made or let other people evaluate if you're about to make a mistake in that respect. Number six, contracts between schools and companies could be in conflict with the student-athlete contracts. Let me explain what we mean by that. UMHB, we know for a fact, had two student-athletes in full jersey and Texas law says that the school protects or gets to protect their own logo and intellectual property and whatnot out there. And so what they didn't realize when they were doing an athletic gear ad was that they have an Under Armour uh, contract, I believe, at UMHB. And so yeah. Under Armour is not going to be happy to see that happening. Uh, that's our jersey over there and you're you know, advertising XYZ brand. That's not right. And so they had to step in and say, hey, guys, we got to stop this right now because you're in conflict with that and we can stop you according to Texas law. Now, they caught it in a time and, you know, any ill effects can be wiped out pretty early from it. But yeah. nobody really stepped back and thought about that until somebody from the school saw it. We may have called their attention to it on Twitter. I don't know. But there was conversation yeah. and this stuff can happen. And it's maybe embarrassing to see it play out publicly, but you know what? Mulligan to everyone here because I think it gave us all a good lesson right off the bat about the highs and lows here. So again, looking at these uh, six uh, concerns here, JB, uh, just your overall thought on you know the landmines that we're pointing out. Well, I think you know, like anything else, there's there are consequences to some of these actions, and not all the consequences are going to be great. But I think. If there is one sort of positive message to take away from this is that it's still early enough in this whole Wild West situation that there will be you know, a certain amount of flexibility and possibly forgiveness. And JB, a little uh, deviation from our normal set here. Uh, we, we've uh, joined the Zoom generation, at least temporarily here, and uh, it's a good time, we feel, with uh, looking at the concerns to bring in a very special guest. Louise McCleary is the interim vice president for Division Three at the NCAA. You might remember my interviews with Dan Dutcher uh, throughout the years, especially on D3Football.com Stag Bowl coverage. Well, Louise is uh, fulfilling Dan's role after his retirement. We miss Dan, obviously, but Louise is doing a tremendous job over there uh, in, Indiana, in Indianapolis, easy for Frank to say. Uh, but Louise, uh, tell folks what your role is. And again, thank you for joining us. Well, uh, Frank, it is a pleasure to be here. I am serving as the interim vice president for Division Three. 
I've been at the national office now for about nine and a half years. So I had um, the pleasure to work with Dan Dutcher, to learn from him. And really in my role in governance is I work with so many of our committees. I work with our highest authority committee, that's our president's council, all the way down to our student athlete advisory committee. And, and we help our membership guide initiatives, programs, legislation, if they want to support it or not, through the governance process. So uh, that's uh, a lot of stuff uh, indeed, but uh, right now I know a lot of focus is coming on to uh, name, image, likeness, uh, NIL uh, topics. So I want to uh, start off with a, a, a kind of a broad question here because a lot of schools have seemed to be uh, caught off guard this summer uh, with this announcement by the NCAA and some of the states along the way here. Um, it, you know, some athletic directors even reached out to us and said, this might be the worst time of year for this to have happened because they have no control over their student athletes to a certain degree during the summer months. I mean, most of them want to care about their tan lines and the <clears> beach and everything instead of, you know, NIL uh, policies of their schools. And, you know, can't blame them. It's uh, their time of year. But why did the NCAA pick the summer uh, for this announcement? And I guess what's the response been uh, from ADs and schools uh, at this point? And what are you doing at the NCAA? I think this is the crux of the question, really. What is the NCAA doing to make sure that early errors by student athletes don't cost them and the schools eligibility issues and all the things that come with that? Because that's obviously a huge concern from the folks we've talked to. I'm happy to answer those questions for you. So regarding the timing uh, what our membership, all three divisions, we were watching many state laws had effective dates of July 1st. And so the division felt that it was very important to provide an NIL policy prior to these state laws going into effect. And therefore, all three divisions adopted the current interim NIL policy in late June. So now Division Three has been discussing how to allow student athletes to use their name, image, and likeness for more than a year. Uh, when the division didn't vote on an NIL proposal this past January at the 2021 NCAA convention, we didn't vote due to some governmental concerns at the time. However, what our membership did say is that they would have a commitment to modernize the legislation to provide NIL opportunities to Division III student athletes at the first opportunity. And that first opportunity ended up being this summer. Now, as in regard to your question about the response from Division III institutions, I personally have not heard from many regarding concerns about the timing of the decision. But instead, there have been many questions regarding the interim policy. So the NCA staff has created several resources. They're located on NCA.org. It includes a question and answer resource, key takeaways, the impact that uh, NIL may have on financial aid, an optional reporting form if institutions want to have their student athletes disclose their NIL activities as well as educational videos. Well, Louise, another thing uh, that we've been asked about is, you know, D3, you know, football guys was to what extent the you know, NAL would potentially affect, you know, this, you know, the largest population of, of student football athletes out there. I mean, there were some, you know, common, sort of commonsensically that were like, oh, probably won't be as big an issue. I mean, 
uh, Quinn Minards, for example, from the you know, University of Wisconsin Whitewater had around, I don't know, a thousand, maybe 1500 followers before he, you know, kind of exploded on the national scene when he was drafted by the Denver Broncos. But, you know, we're, we're starting to see now uh, over the last couple of weeks that there are a number of players in Division Three, um, for instance, accepting NIL opportunities. Uh, what do you think the effect of NIL will be on these Division Three uh, student athletes compared to other uh, divisions, other schools? And do you think that these the kind of the, the, the lack of, of athletic scholarships at this level might actually cause um, you know, these young people to more proactively seek out these opportunities than, than maybe some of their upper division counterparts where they're kind of being handed, you know, to them like the quarterback at Alabama. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a terrific question. I want to start with our Division Three National Student Athlete Advisory Committee has been very active in the NIL discussions the past year. These student athletes, on behalf of all Division Three student athletes, and you mentioned it, we have the most uh, in the division. Uh, we have approximately 295,000 Division Three student athletes have advocated for student athletes to be able to use their athletic status with name, image, and likeness. They stress that student athletes should have the same opportunities as their student peers. I do think, though, it's too early to tell the impact of this new NCA policy and the name, image, and likeness state laws in terms of how we'll compare, you know, Division Three to the other divisions at this point in time. We do know that many of our Division Three uh, student athletes, like other Division Three students who don't have to worry about their athletic st status, have already started to use their name, image, and likeness. They were social media influencers. They created work products, such as writing a book. And now with the new NIL policy, they'll be able to continue with these activities. Um, and they'll be able to now use their status as a student athlete, uh, including the use of NIL associated with offering private lessons, or as long as it complies with the state law where their institution is located, or with institutional policies if the institution is in a state with no current NIL state laws. And that's a good point uh, concerning uh, the, I guess, already existing effect of social media influencing uh, that's going on out there. I've, I've seen a lot more of it uh, as we've seen NIL, uh, the doors open uh, just on Twitch and on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, it, it's almost frustrating uh, for probably coaches and athletic directors out there to try to keep it all together and not have mistakes made along the way. But that leads to my next question, really. You know, from the student athlete perspective, there are a number of things that can go wrong here. If they're, uh, even if they believe they're doing the right things, uh, let me give you an example. I sign on to a clothing company uh, as a student athlete and not realizing that this company may have some involvement in a gambling industry or some kind of other no-no industry that is against the rules out there. Uh, even worse, you know, that company uh, could sign on a student athlete with ill intentions and use their name, image, and likeness for things that weren't originally agreed to that could frustrate the entire purpose of the situation. How strictly is the NCAA going to enforce the rules against student athletes when their eligibility could 
unintentionally be at stake in a situation like those? And to what degree will schools be held responsible for those student athletes' actions, especially if the intentions were not meant to be problematic, but uh, ultimately are, you know, you know, again, it's kind of that safe harbor question for a student athlete in a school. What is the effect going to be when mistakes are made? Because they're inevitable. That's right. And what I'm going to say, um, really, the, the authority has gone to the local level in terms of the institution, the conference, or the state law, if there's one that's in effect for that particular, where that institution resides. So if the NIL activity is not subject to state law or prohibited by the interim NCA policy, which really is pay for play or impermissible recruiting inducements, the student athlete, what we would recommend is that they should work with either a professional service provider, a lawyer, an accountant, or, and I would say really their institution, maybe their athletics director, their compliance director, their coach, who's been in touch probably with those two individuals, with state law or institutional policies and regulations. Now, as the NIL landscape stabilizes, keep in mind we're, what, three weeks out, two and a half weeks out? Um, with the adoption of either a federal law or an NCA legislation, um, the NCA at that point will develop and refine the guidance as appropriate. Okay, Louise, not that we haven't confused our, our listeners, watchers, whatever, viewers enough. This, and I'll have to admit, like Frank Scott have written this question because it has, it's got lawyer stuff written all over it, but I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the conduit through which it's delivered. So bear with me here. So something that might affect a non-scholarship division like ours, um, more than NIL is the recent Supreme Court decision concerning benefits by colleges and universities to athletes, at least tangentially related to their education or the furtherance of it. So now that the court has stated that the NCAA can't prohibit such benefits and shouldn't have in the past, are you at all concerned about some new wave of benefits being provided that might meet the court's edict, but still might subvert the intentions of the NCAA against pay for play? And kind of in addition, is the NCAA independently reviewing prior rulings against player eligibility, including at the D3 level, to potentially reinstate players and championships affected by the prior application of the rules. So uh, I'm not a lawyer by trade either. Uh, that was Dan Dutcher, um, but I'm going to answer the question for you. So really what is important, critical really for the association in division three is maintaining the amateur status of NCA student athletes and prohibiting pay for play. That's a priority for us. Um, at the school and conference level, there's still a choice about which benefits to provide students consistent with the institutional policy around name, image, and Lakin. So the, the point is, is that these benefits are not mandated, but they're permissive. And so really with the interim policy, again, it goes back for the institution to work. Is there an existing state law? Is there an existing state law around name, image, and likeness? We need to make sure our student athletes, if we choose, we're going to go in that direction. If there isn't an existing state law, the institution really can decide what they're going to do in this space of name, image, and likeness for their student athletes. 
And Luis, uh, one thing we were talking about before uh, we started our interview, uh, and uh, this kind of uh, goes to our final uh, kind of uh, catch-all question uh, for you uh, as well. Uh, we, we saw, I literally woke up to on Wednesday morning, uh, a quote from A.D. Schumacher over at uh, Wisconsin-Eau Claire. And it's something that I think shocks the conscience a little bit. It's something that James and I have talked about on Twitter, for sure, and pointed out some of the weakness or concern factors that come with NIL, especially with boosters. Uh, boosters have been a problem forever uh, for the NCA to try to curtail what their effects are against uh, NCA policies, ultimately. And they're, they're always trying to find workarounds to get around it. And then uh, A.D. Schumacher says about NIL, it's, quote, it's not supposed to be about competitive advantage, as the legislation says, but how isn't it? If I can get a booster club member to sponsor an athlete through their business, and that may be the persuading factor of them coming to Eau Claire instead of going to Whitewater or going to Oshkosh, this is real stuff. It's, it's honest, but it's also a little bit, I, I guess, nefarious in intention uh, when you get, re- get down to it. So with that as the backdrop, we want to give you a chance to speak to student athletes and even the ADs out there at this point about your thoughts about the best practices related to NIL and about what to do if they're facing questions or struggles navigating the new world they're suddenly swimming in without a tremendous amount of guidance yet, especially knowing the ADs out there are sort of aware of maybe the potential workarounds that uh, they can get away with or let their student athletes get away with. That's right. So, so I'll start with the first uh, question, Frank. I think, and I think everybody, as I said, this is a new landscape for student athletes. Our student athletes, our athletic administrators have been committed to saying, let's provide opportunities for our student athletes to be like their peers who are not involved in athletics and being able to use their name, image, and likeness and include their athletic status. Can there be unintended consequences with that? Absolutely. I don't think um, if institutions, I don't know if uh, A.D. Schumacher was saying we're going to do that. I think he was just noting there could be these unintended consequences. And I believe, and I think our athletic directors believe, as we start to move through this landscape, institutions will work with conferences to say, what is the best way we can still provide opportunities to our student athletes, but in an atmosphere of how we've always cooperated with each other in terms of fairness, et cetera, in in terms of competition. But what I would do is I would encourage all student athletes to work very closely, either again with a professional service provider and their athletics department administrators. Having people to provide good advice in this area of expertise is really important. To the extent that a student has a question about the interim NIL policy or a school policy or regulation, their ADs, their coaches, their compliance officers will be the best individuals to assist them if they have an NIL opportunity. I know that many schools and conferences are working hard to provide that guidance to their student athletes. I would also recommend that um, the students and their advisors access uh, the interim NIL policy resources, the educational resources that we have on NCA.org, as well as the videos. Um, I think it outlines some key areas in terms, as I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, 
questions and answers, the impact that they may have on financial aid packages. Uh, also, if institutions say, as we start this, maybe we want all of our student athletes to disclose what they're doing so that they, as you mentioned, that they're getting the right advice and they're understanding how they're connecting their name, image, and likeness to a certain uh, company or endorsement, and they understand all of those parameters. So you come in in the heart of COVID in this role. You uh, come in with NIL basically uh, right uh, after that. Uh, I, I mean, did you sign up for all this really uh, when it comes down to it, Louise? Because this is probably one of the most critical years we've seen in NCAA policy and especially in how it affects Division Three, because as we've pointed out throughout the last year, COVID does not hit all schools equally. It really doesn't. Division Three schools can't afford a lot of the protocols, et cetera, on a permanent basis that uh, some of the Division One schools might be able to ultimately. I mean, give us, I know we're a little off script here, but I, I, I see you, you're doing a great job, uh, a great uh, voice and face for the uh, division indeed. But I mean, this has got to be a little frustrating for you to see all this coming at you at once. So, Frank, I'm glad you actually asked it. Um, what I didn't mention is while I've been at the national office for nine and a half years, I spent 25 years on campus before I came to the national office. Fifteen of those years, right before I made the transition, were on Division Three campuses. Uh, I was an athletics director. I've been an associate athletics director. And Division Three, the opportunities for student-athletes, Supporting coaches, athletic administrators is, um, some have said it's a passion of mine. And so, yes, nobody could have anticipated the pandemic. Um, I think we're, we're close to getting out of it, but I'm not sure we're completely there yet. But how difficult it has been the past year and a half for student athletes, for athletic administrators who are helping those student athletes, for coaches. So, that we're, we're all dealing with. Name, image, and likeness, it is a difficult time right now, but I believe with any new change, you're gonna have those difficulties. And I believe that over time, institutions, state laws, student athletes will find a way to navigate this. And at the end of the day, our Student Athlete Advisory Committee always said, we wanna have the same opportunities that our peers have. And they had those opportunities, but they couldn't use their status as an athlete. And so I think there's, there's going to be a benefit to that. It's just right now we're at the beginning of so much uncertainty that I think it's hard to see that benefit. Um, and, I, and you mentioned it. What I loved about Division Three, I've always said, is you can color outside the lines. You're not siloed in your department. But there's difficulty with that because there's so much to do. And so um, what I love about our division is 450 schools, all slightly different, but we all have a common drive and passion to say, how do we give our student athletes the best possible opportunities? And I know we will continue to work through these challenges together to be able to do that. Okay, JB, that was a great 20 minutes or so uh, with Louise uh, McCleary from uh, the NCAA, uh, the interim vice president, and uh, hopefully uh, they uh, drop that interim title that we have to keep carrying here because uh, she's doing a great yeah, job. Right. Come on now. 
Yeah, but a great uh, name, great uh, voice and face for uh, the NCAA. Uh, I, I kind of, the things I take away from that and some of the thoughts I have generally, it sounds like they're waiting for federal inter- intervention to a certain degree before they go final, final on their rules because I think the NCAA feels the federal rules are going to be sort of more all-encompassing across the country instead of the hodgepodge of state laws. That gives me a certain amount of agita as a, an Italian guy. Uh, I'll say uh, agita is uh, that bad word for stomach uh, illness uh, or whatever because, look, the, the Congress doesn't move very fast. <laughs> it, it just doesn't. <laughs> and, and so I don't know when they would even get to that point. Maybe there's some legislation they're considering right now in committee, but I, the ADs out there that have reached out to Louise, it sounds like, are definitely clamoring for more guidance or better regulations, or, you know, not so interim in, the, in what's out there. And I think their hand's getting forced to put out more, to give some better guidance, and to tell everybody what happens when there are screw-ups. Are we going to go full eligibility, nixing, or are we going to create safe harbors for the student and the school if they at least show that they tried to do the best things possible in these in this landscape. I, I sure hope there's a safe harbor created because I don't think everything's ill-intentioned out there when it comes to NIL. Yeah, and I agree. And it's it's so early on. And, and for the most part, we've only really seen a handful of student athletes, at least in, in our division, you know, sign up for for deals like this. And it's primarily been actually in, in the south, uh, sort of southeast, southwest, you could say, um, not seeing a lot of stuff in the northeast just yet. Uh, Midwest a little bit. But so far, it's still in the early innings. And so I would say, hopefully, yeah, that, that safe harbor, a little bit of of grace you know, period is given to this since everything is so new and there really isn't a whole lot of guidance out there yet. Although we've seen some schools come up with good guidance, like Trine's uh, set, where we're going to run on the screen right now, this Trine set of seven yeah. or so uh, bullet points uh, is uh, pretty good stuff, to say the least. And now uh, we want to bring in uh, an athletic director. Uh, we heard from Louise McCleary that athletic directors have been uh, talking to the NCAA, not necessarily uh, voicing opinions about the summer concerns or the timing of the drop of the information, but just some overall concerns about the policies that are standing right now at the NCAA, kind of the interim set, and where things go from here. Somebody who's been ahead of the curve uh, is Matt Land, athletic director at Trine University. Uh, we're going to show on the screen, uh, Trine did put out some, let's say, advanced policy notions for student athletes, and uh, we've been using them ourselves uh, on Twitter. Uh, JB, I know uh, you and I have both been tweeting about uh, their policies as they yeah. have them set right now, but obviously there's a lot more to come. Matt, first off, thanks for joining us. but. Kind of take us through why it was so important to you and trying to get out in front of this to the degree you have. Yeah, this isn't unique to trying. It's unique to, I think, Division Three, um, and, and unique to the kind of people that I work with in Division Three. Um, we wanted to get information out to our kids as quickly as possible, um, just so we could preserve their eligibility to to get out in front of it and give them information so we could save them from having to go through a a painful process uh, to get reinstated or any of those things. It's so new. It came out so fast. Um, It came out, it came out at a time in the summer when we don't have our athletes specifically on campus. So it was important for us to get, uh, get some information to them as quickly as we can. And as you know, the 
kids dig Twitter. <laughs> you know, so that's what we started with immediately. We went out with like, I think, seven points of emphasis on Twitter really quick. And uh, as we were developing our policy, and then we got our policy up as quickly as we could. And it took a took our team some time to do it. But I think we got it out. And I th- I don't know if we got it right, but it's a starting point. Correct. And, and you know, five days after it was it was announced by the NCAA, we had something for our kids to go look at and make decisions on and 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 uh, and a reporting. A reporting structure that allows them to get some information before they step into any NLI agree or NIL agreement. Well, Matt, we certainly enjoyed over the last you know, year or so getting to know the the Thunder. We, we had Alex uh, Price, your quarterback, on the show in the spring term, and and you know, as a as a guy in charge of running an athletics department, you know, let's say um, you know I'm a guy, let's like uh, Zane Kirby, and um, you know, a hairstyling company, you know, really has noticed my long locks. Maybe a wig making company, because I mean that that guy. It's got probably the nicest hair um, in, in your conference, maybe in, in 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 the country at this point. So, how would you how do you go about? You know, aside from the the yes and no checklist, I mean, what what do you think are some of the things that you know, if a student athlete like Zane came to you and say, you know, like, hey, head and shoulders, you know, saw my hair on TV or on, on a webcast or whatever, and <laughs> wants to sponsor me, uh, you know, what are some of the advice or point talking points that you would review with the with a young man like him? Well, first of all, Zane's flow is amazing. And I would encourage <laughs> head and shoulders to reach out to him because it is something special, no doubt. But I think the kids uh, the kids need to understand that they're basically a business now. They may, be, they may need representation at some point. They, need, they have insurance that they'll need to get. They have waivers they'll need to get. They'll have charges of if they're running facilities to do a a named camp that they want to use it with. They're going to get charged. You know, there's a three person rule. If you're doing individual lessons, things that they don't talk about, it has to be you, the minor and an adult with that minor. Um, so in taxes, I don't, I have a 19 year old daughter. She doesn't think anything about taxes, you know, and, and these are real sure. concerns that our kids are not um, equipped to handle yet because they haven't had those experiences. And these experiences, if they go too fast, are gonna be painful. Um, so we have a seven-day a seven day delay. They have to come and meet with us seven days prior to signing anything so we can look at it with them and, and at least talk about some of those things and get some information to them so they can make the best decision. Ultimately, you know, they're, they're 18-year-old entrepreneurs now. Some of them are 19 or 22, whatever the age is. and and. You know, we're, we're we're actively talking to our business department and our marketing department, trying to figure out if should we have a class, you know, uh, that talks about these kind of things specifically that kids can take now. Um, number one, it'd be really interesting to sport management majors and those kind of things. But yeah. our athletes thinking about doing some of these things, should they do that? You know, so as as uh, as quick as this policy came out, it's a long discussion, right? But it kind of hit us in the summer. It brings up a lot of really unique questions and conversations and things that that these kids will need when they're 25 or 30, you know, as a as a as a normal person, let alone a, a sponsored athlete or a professional athlete, whatever ends up happening. So we are embracing it. We tend to embrace things anyway. This is what it is. It's a new thing to deal with. It's an, a 
a great opportunity potentially for some of our kids. And with that, you know, we're the adults in the room. We've got to help them muddle through some of the, the cobwebs. Speaking of the adults in the room, uh, some eyebrows uh, went up over the last day or so. Uh, I, I woke up to this, as did I think JB, a friend of ours, uh, sent this to us, and we dug out the article it came from uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, A.D. Schumacher over at Eau Claire stated about NIL, quote, yeah, it's not supposed to be about competitive advantage, as the legislation says, but how isn't it? If I can get a booster club member to sponsor an athlete through their business, and that may be the persuading factor of them coming to Eau Claire instead of going to Whitewater or going to Oshkosh, this is real stuff. Boosters have been a problem forever. Uh, we talked about this uh, with uh, Louise McCleary from the NCAA. Uh, you know this as well as I do. You've had a uh, rich uh, you know, history in terms of coaching and ADing and everything else, and you've seen the boosters try to affect things in ways they probably shouldn't along the way, and you've had to step in probably once or twice, as has any AD out there, to say, no, we can't do that. Thanks, so, thanks, but no thanks. But you now have a certain level of inability to make that step in between the student-athlete and the booster potentially, or it may not be as clear to certain schools that it's happening right before their very eyes. Is it a concern? Is this a gotcha moment? Give us your take on when you saw or read that quote or heard it for the first time now, what your reaction was and what you think it all means at the end of the day. Number one, I don't think I'm the end-all be-all. I don't think our document is the end-all be-all. I don't think I, the way I read the document is the end-all be-all. Um, it specifically says in our policy that coaches and athletic administration cannot actively recruit opportunities for our student-athletes. In my opinion, that statement, again, this is all new, right? So we're going to make mistakes. I may say something on this interview that's a mistake. You know, so athletic director Schumacher, no disrespect, but um, in our interpretation of it, we should not be actively doing that. That would be a violation because we don't actively look for opportunities like this for regular students. Um, that's just our interpretation of it. This is all going to work out in the wash, right? You know, um, and as far as boosters being a problem, we've had to have some conversations. We try and do as much education as we can with them. But now this may be a way to embrace them. It may be a way to encourage um, conversations and, and uh, relationships with our student athletes if, if those two meet and, and that comes up. I don't know yet. Again, it's we're a week into this. Michigan just signed a deal with uh, the Big M Sports sporting goods store, they have, they can use their uniforms and they can make custom uniforms and every player on their roster from one to 99 will get paid based on them selling the one through 99 number. Not necessarily the name on the back, but the number represents the athlete. So now they have a way right now that using the NLI that all of their kids will get some sort of dollars. If my son's number seven in high school and I want to buy him the number seven Michigan jersey, number seven on Michigan gets a cut of it. And I put land on the back for my son. So, <laughs> hey, I think it was said best when they called it the Wild West right now. We've had <laughs> about a week of the Wild West and really unique things have come out of it. So maybe boosters aren't the boogeyman anymore. Maybe there's a way everybody can be involved in, in a big hug. You know, we're giving them a hug and, and things may change a little bit. Um, we don't know. Or is it going to get amended? We don't have a state law in Indiana. 
So our policy is just basically our policy right now until our state gives us some guidance as well. We have we have a state law in Michigan. Our conference is in Michigan, and we're we're looking at uh, what we're going to do conference wide, and then our policy may have to change a little bit. So again, you can freak out about it. You can choose to freak out about it, or you can choose to embrace it. We're choosing to embrace it, and uh, for for all of the the problems that it may cause us in the beginning on the front end, you know, maybe it won't as we go, and maybe it will. I don't know, but it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter what Matt Land says or thinks. This is reality. We're in the middle of it, so let's try and make the best of it and make sure that our number one priority is preserving the uh, the eligibility of our student athletes. That's got to be where it starts, and if it doesn't start there, then that's when you can get yourself in problems. So we're just trying to put as much protection of our students in this process without saying yes or no, or we have no really ground to stand on to say no. Maybe you can't use our mark, or maybe we don't want you using our athletic facilities to do the shoot, or maybe we do. You know, those are all different things, but uh, they can do these things. Gotcha. So we want to give you uh, the final word here, uh, kind of the final 60-second uh, spiel to all student-athletes out there, not just trying, but to all student-athletes across the country that are facing NIL questions. What would you say is the best advice, the best practices you know, in a kind of a nutshell scenario here, because there are some facing questions, you know, be it the bar stool scenarios, the elite athletic gear uh, scenarios, and some others that are cropping up now because they've seen uh, their counterparts doing this and maybe successfully so at low prices. Uh, at, you know, stuff that I look at it and I'm like, why would you take that hundred dollars because of the problems that it can cause down the line? But student athletes are doing it across the country. What is your well, advice? Learn and read what a 1099 is. You know, use your own time. You're going to need to know what that is. And before you do anything or sign anything, go talk to your athletic director or compliance officer. All of us care about you. All of us want you to get in this situation whatever you can get and what you deserve and those kind of things. And, and we want you to do what you I want what you want, basically. All athletic directors want that. Um, but there are several things you need to consider prior to. So before signing your name, before agreeing to anything or taking anything, go talk to your AD, talk to your compliance officer, get some information. Um, there is, I say this to my staff all the time, there is nothing wrong with saying, yeah, I don't know. You know, that's okay. Walk in there and say, listen, I wanna do this. I have no idea. What do I need to do? Help me. And that's what we're gonna do. At Trine, we are gonna help them do the things they wanna do. We're going to advise them on a few as well, but ultimately it's their decision, and uh, we're going to support uh, what it is that that they want, and we're going to give them the information to protect them and their eligibility. Thanks to Matt Land uh, for his time, and as I said uh, in the cold open, again, it, it was tough to get an AD willing to come on camera, to be honest with you. And then it just made a whole lot of yeah. sense. We was talking to somebody, uh, our friend Lenny Reich, actually. He pointed out, hey, Trent's really ahead of the game uh, with their stuff. Because I was asking, what AD out there might be willing to come on camera with this, do you think? And I was like, yeah, that makes 100% sense. And Matt right away said, yes, this is too important not to come and talk about the pitfalls, the best practices, etc." Thanks to him for having the uh, courage and leadership to come on our show. Um, we ran it twice now. Let's talk about it briefly. The Schumacher quote. Uh, we've asked Louise's and Matt's thoughts on it. It's not a good look. 
uh, okay, it may be honest, no. but when you read it in full, you're naming your own school as somebody looking to be opportunistic in a way that, as Matt said, goes against what they're working toward here. And then naming other schools that they're competing against to say, if we have the chance to one-up you or trump you with this, we're going to do so. And that makes me uncomfortable. Are you going to work with the student-athlete to create these deals? Ultimately, there's a lot in between there that maybe got left out of the quotes, but whatever ran was not something I'm comfortable with. Yeah, and it pretty much is the antithesis of what Division Three is supposed to be about. And like we said at the top, I mean, we know that it's also you know a competitive you know, sort of business of recruiting and and, and all of that type of thing. But this was a comment that probably should have been you know reserved to the uh, the dinner table or <laughs> maybe a you know a beer after the conference or something like that to to publicly state that doesn't show a whole lot of foresight and. You know, it certainly, you know, calls into question at least some of the motive, potential motives. And it's something that I think student athletes and their families have to be aware of. You know, if there are schools that are sort of offering this stuff up, maybe take a second look at it because it, there's it's a little it's a little weighted there. I raised the booster issues in a, a Twitter thread. Remember, uh, kind of an eight parter. But at the end of it was yeah. the lesson of. Uh, if they're offering over market rate for the services being provided by the student in the NIL deal, then it basically can be viewed as pay for play. And it's a reminder that booster scenarios should be under greater scrutiny right now because of that fact. That's what was left out, I think, of his comments that there should be higher scrutiny now with booster deals. Sure, they could give them true business offers, you know, the used car uh, salesman or dealer or a new car dealer paying 150 bucks, 200 bucks to a student athlete to do a commercial locally. Okay, I, I can live with that. I think you can live with that as fair. But paying them $2,000 yeah. for that same uh, opportunity doesn't pass muster if they don't have name recognition out there. That's the stuff we're looking at, that there are fine lines here and don't cross them. And as a school, don't assist them in crossing them because if you do, you're going to get your student athlete in trouble with their eligibility and yourself in trouble as a school. You don't want that. Be careful here and sort of march in unison with your colleagues and counterparts out there, not against them. That, that's my hope. Best practices for all student athletes? Let's run some here that we've uh, compiled. These are not an NCA policy or anything like that. These are just common sense no. from a lawyer and a business guy out there, a banker essentially, uh, JB is, but things that we have seen and come across as ideas or thoughts for you. Um, remember, some NIL approaches are universal despite the school or state rule differences. Okay, so that's where these come from. Number one is wait until after your school provides training related to state NCAA and school policies in the fall before you seek or accept NIL opportunities. Uh, just wait. W what is the urgency here? If it was going to be there for you now, why won't it be there for you in the future if it's meant to be? Um, a lot of these deals aren't worth too much money, and so hold off and, or, and tell the folks, I need to do the right thing for me and my school as well, so let's hold off. Also, be prepared to have an attorney review any paperwork you're signing if your school's compliance department cannot assist such a review. Not all schools are going to have the administrative staff necessary to look at every one of these deals. And so you may need your own lawyer out there uh, to help you out and to make sure that you're signing on to the right deal. 
we keep talking about JB, you know, hey, I'm going to use you for this car, uh, car ad, and then they end up using them for something else, uh, their name, image, and likeness, and then say, oh, look, the contract said I could use it. I own this, uh, you know, right, right yeah. here. And you've seen it in your business as much as I have in mine that you have to be specific. Absolutely. I mean, it all is going to come down to what's what's on the what's on the piece of paper and what you're signing. And there are, um, you know, you can go to court over it. There there will be money exchanged. There could even be, you know, taxes um, implied or you know potentially owed, uh, depending on how much money we're talking about. Um, so just be careful. Yeah, and number three would drop down as you said that. Understand that there are tax implications for any money received for an NIL opportunity, and it may require you to invest in greater accounting services. So all that money you think you're making, you got to outlay to basically handle the administrative stuff yourself in this. And that's why number four exists. If you don't if you don't foresee opportunities in excess of we say five hundred dollars per year, then don't accept NIL opportunities. They're just not worth. The risks and expense. That's what a lawyer reviewing contracts and an accountant or a higher level of TurboTax, whatever you're going to use for accounting services, is going to run you at the end of the day, plus the taxes you need to pay yeah. for. So if you can't clear $500 in a year, don't do this. It's not worth your eligibility concerns or whatnot. We're having to go through all these, these hoops to make this happen. You're a student athlete in Division Three. Emphasis on student you need to be focusing on what counts there because this $500 is going to be with two extra zeros in terms of your profession later on. Make sure you're not losing focus on what really matters in school. Please. I, I just I see too many people making that quick buck mentality and it's like, take a step back, folks, please. Number five, ensure that any contracts you enter into can be shared with your school's compliance department in case questions or concerns arise. In other words, do not enter into confidential deals that start confidential from the negotiation phase. If you do that, you're putting yourself in a bind and your compliance department and school in a bind with what they can do to help you in these situations. And I'm gonna let you comment on this one, number six. Don't trust people trying to lead you to, quote, sure thing opportunities you didn't seek out. If you don't recognize the brand or person contacting you, seek more info from trusted sources. Uh, you're, you're the guy that I think is out there with the best common sense advice. This is that common sense feeling out there. It sounds too good to be true. It probably is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's a there's a saying for that for a reason, Frank, and I'm just and it's one of those situations where it might sound you know good on the face of it, but until you actually you know dive in and do the due diligence, maybe talk to a compliance or other professional, you just be careful that you really understand what you're signing up for, because all it takes is a little you know it could be a um, a division of a company that's got an umbrella corp that's all of a sudden, you know, in the back end, you find out, oh, it also deals with offshore gambling. Well, guess what? You get tied to that, your eligibility is gone, and there could be way bigger implications than you realize. And JB, this is a good uh, time to bring in our next guest. Uh, you know, we talked about best practices, and we heard uh, Louise McClary even talk about companies that can assist student athletes in schools with best practices uh, surrounding NIL and the issues that it presents. And we want to talk to somebody from such a company. That's, uh, in this case, Lyle Adams, Chief Executive Officer of Spry. 
And Lyle, for those that don't know what Spry is, and there are other companies out there, we will uh, name one here, Open Doors, for instance, in the same quasi space uh, that's out there. But this is by no means a full endorsement for any company uh, having you on. We want folks to understand that. But you do provide what uh, some people are terming valuable service that even the NCAA is giving some credibility to in the discussion. So tell folks out there what Spry is and what they do or what your company does in the process surrounding NIL. Um, thank you for having me, first off, Frank and James. I really enjoy um, the opportunity to present to you today. Um, Spry is a technology platform focused on the compliance aspects of NIL. Uh, as a former student athlete, I knew there were some pitfalls that might arise for student athletes with the ability to earn compensation now. So Spry was created to protect both the institution and the student athlete while providing the student athlete with resources to successfully be their own small business owner. Wow, and so as a technology company, is this does this work as like an app on a student athlete's phone? Is it just, you know, hey, I've gotten approached by um, XYZ uh, company here in my town where I play football or soccer or whatever, and I want some advice. Is it how how does the student act, at, athlete interact uh, with with you via the Spy app or technology that you're talking about? So right now, we, we Spry has a mobile application for both iOS and Android, and the administrators at the school have a dashboard that they can use now. So per all the NIL legislation and regulations in certain states. Student athletes are you know, encouraged to disclose their opportunities. So we work with the school and the athlete to make sure that disclosures meets the state and institution law when applicable to make sure the athlete remains compliant and most importantly, eligible. Lyle, what's the biggest complaint you're hearing from schools so far about NIL and the process that's uh, come of it from the NCAA and the states at this point? It seems like there's a hodgepodge of rules, regulations, laws, etc., going on out there. But I'm curious to see or hear what you're hearing and what you're doing to rectify those types of issues specific to NIL and maybe even specific to Division III. Um, first off, the Division Three aspect. I think NIL personally is for everyone. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to be a D1 athlete, um, but if I didn't have the chance to walk on at Wake Forest, I would have gone to a division two or division three school in my home state of Florida. So I understand that all athletes will have the opportunity to earn income from their name, image, and likeness. So I think D1 athletes, D2 athletes, and D3 athletes should understand what the rules are. That now brings me to my second point, Frank, that you mentioned is what am I hearing? Um, there's a lot of you know discontent amongst the um, athletic departments and higher institutions right now about the lack of uniformity in the rules. Um, some, if, you're st if you were in a state that had an NIL law passed, you're in a better position than if you were in a state that didn't have an NIL law passed on July 1st. Because <clears throat> many of those states now have had to, or institutions have to create their own policies on the fly. And unfortunately, on the D2, D3 level, the institutional resources aren't the same as they are at a power five institution. Your athletic director might be a head coach or your senior women's sport administrator might do some other job on campus. So getting these policies ironed out and finalized has been a bit more challenging for you know D2 and D3 institutions, which, un, which inadvertently affects the student athlete. Now they don't know what the rules are. They don't wanna make mistakes 
which only like, you know, snowballs, you know, what you're kind of hearing right now of people yearning for guidance and education so they can make informed and smart decisions. Lyle, do you think that there's sort of a uh, kind of a go, no go approach or point with a, let's say, a, you know, division three or two student athlete who's not on a scholarship where a NIL offer either makes sense or doesn't, you know, because of the fact that income might be need to be cleared and through, through taxes and, you know, attaining perhaps legal counsel to review contracts. I mean, ultimately there, there will be a certain amount of costs associated uh, with an NIL opportunity for a student athlete. I mean, is, are, are companies like yours in a position to sort of do a, a cost benefit analysis of whether offer A makes sense because of what, at the end of the day, it might only be worth, you know, a couple of bucks? We, it's a great question, James. We, we have tools within the platform, such as the tax estimator, that allow student athletes to estimate the potential tax impact of an opportunity. Um, it's difficult for me to say now what is worth it for a student athlete, but I can only speak to myself as a former student athlete or a college student. Making an extra 30, 40 bucks a week with a lot of money for me in college. So maybe that student athlete does private lessons yeah. or birthday party appearance in college that might not trigger now the taxable event. I believe it's $600 to file with the IRS, but that could still have meaningful impact. The scenario which you mentioned is something that you know keeps me up at night for a lot of student athletes, because as we all know, D3 doesn't have athletic scholarships. So many student athletes are on need-based or financial aid from the state or government. And you know, if you now exceed a certain cap or threshold, those benefits could be reduced or eliminated altogether. So for us, we've built tools now working with schools to make sure the athletes are privy to those conversations. We include educational resources of saying, hey, if, if you're willing to do a three, you know, um, a four, you know, a four digit contract, talk to financial aid before. Because like my fear with NIL is athletes make money, but they don't understand the taxes of the, the money. So now they have to pay taxes next April. And I wasn't great at saving money. <laughs> I'm not proud of that, but I wasn't great at saving money. So. If I did something now and have to pay taxes next April, do I have enough? But more importantly, if this now $2,000 opportunity bumps me to a next tax bracket, will I lose my Pell Grant? Those are the conversations I think we should be educating yeah. our student athletes on right now before they now embark in those decisions or contracts. Because for me personally, it would have been a cost benefit analysis, James, but like, Having that conversation top of mind, I think, is more important so the athlete knows to have that conversation before they embark in that instead of having a shock moment next April or March when they apply for financial aid and see that money's no longer there. Again, for those wondering, I think it was spry.so uh, is the uh, end uh, part of Website. the domain. Yes, you know, www.spry.so is the website. Feel free to email anybody, email us at info at spry.so. And to your and point, that, Frank, um, mm -hmm. go ahead, sorry. I was and just going to ask if it could that. be student athletes or uh, schools yeah. that can reach out to you, correct? Student, Either? student, athletes, or, student athletes or schools. Like we're, we're here to help the industry. Like I, I think we're at a really interesting crossroads of collegiate athletics, right? Um, NIL has now or will impact the future of collegiate athletics. So we have two approaches. We can lean in and support and try to work on this together, or we can try to fight it. 
But what I've seen from my background in, you know, technology space, like if you lean and work together, you get the better solutions, like the power of diversity, power of like diverse teams and like different ways of thinking. So for us, hearing about the challenges that a D3 student athlete might face in a D1 student athlete or compliance at D1, D2 or D3 allows us to build better products. And at the end of the day, like if the product can work for everyone, the product has now achieved its goal. So looking at what, you know, what we're using today, the internet works for everyone, regardless of what division you're at. So why should not your NIL platform or software do the same? Um, and to the last point, the, the mention you mentioned about reputation and brand, I think it's really important for student athlete. Like college is only four years of your life. And you use college to basically launch a career that you will now have for the next, hopefully 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And as I've now seen personally, it takes 20 years, 30 years to build a reputation or build a brand, but you can lose it in five minutes or one tweet or one bad partnership or one negative comment. So student athletes, I, I, that's what I want to stress. I don't want to scare you, but say, hey, will this benefit me now when I graduate college? Am I going to regret doing this deal in six months? If you can answer those soundly, you made a good decision. If you can't answer those or you don't know the answer to those questions in the moment, I would take a step back, think about them before you move forward with anything because there are some things that you could regret, but hopefully everything that you do, do, you do now at NIL while in college, you'll look back fondly when you graduate college. You know, it was interesting to me because we, we put up the best practices earlier and then we uh, did the uh, Lyle Adams interview after that. I didn't show him our best practices, but it was very interesting to hear a lot of the same Similar, concepts yeah. come out of his mouth. And then that discussion about the financial aid concerns, that you're, yeah. you may actually adversely affect your financial aid equation. That's a big Division three issue. That's not a Division one issue so much because obviously you got a lot of scholarship activity going on there. That's not what you have in Division three. You have financial aid and grants that could be adversely affected by the fact that you now have to report this other income and it could adversely affect how much you get for schooling. Yeah, that quick buck suddenly just costs you money. Yeah, and it all boils down to basic accounting, which when you look at a document like the FAFSA, it's it's going to be asking for your family's income. And it's going to look at the family's income versus expenses. It's going to look at the overall cost of the college or university that you want to attend. And there's going to be, you know, sort of a, you know, a, just think of a subtraction type of equation. At the end, there could there's going to be an amount of money that that's going to be figured out there, like that the school will have to come up with to make things work. But if all of a sudden you have more income at the very top of the ledger, that number on the bottom definitely will change. So something to keep an eye on. It's certainly something that I hadn't thought of until Lyle brought it up. And it's a really important point because most division three student athletes, let's face it, they're on some kind of financial aid. And I think most schools across the country, they, they advertise anywhere from 50 to hundred um, you percent, know, helping, helping kids out for a number of different ways. And whether it's Pell Grants in certain states or institutional grants that are that's based on academics and so on and so forth. But if the, you know, remember at the top of the ledger, the income statement, you know, whatever that number is, if it gets bigger, the bottom is going to shrink. So just keep that in mind. I think if a company like Spry or Open Doors can provide the information, like he's saying, that can avoid those problems, they are worth what they're getting paid ultimately by either the school or the student athlete. I think those are. Th Again, we didn't even think of it. We, we're right on top of this stuff. And if we are not thinking of it, and they are, they're showing a worth out there. And so 
as somebody who doesn't believe always in the, these companies that pop up as opportunistic in a certain spaces, that was something that really hit home for me and gave me a little bit more confidence in these companies. And we're showing on the screen right now both Spry and Open Doors on their websites uh, real briefly here. So JB, we've heard from kind of the adults in the room uh, with respect to NIL, but let's talk about this with somebody that's experienced it firsthand and uh, who has, I think, a lot of good insight he can provide uh, across the board on NIL. Caleb D. Flash Egans, who is a senior wide receiver at East Texas Baptist, somebody that is actually getting some draft uh, whispers out there, possibly because of his speed and his ability on the field. But we want to focus especially on NIL today with him. Caleb, uh, we, we saw you with the elite athletic gear uh, tweets and whatnot uh, out there. Obviously, sure. you took up somebody on their NIL uh, opportunity. We've seen about four different uh, ASC uh, football players that have signed up uh, over the last couple of weeks, but you were one of the first, obviously. Why did you choose yes, to do it, and what kind of due diligence did you do yourself with respect to you know making sure this was a good idea, why did you do it? I guess maybe it's the best uh, overall question. Yes, sir. Well, um, you know, once they reached out to me, I mean, the first thing that you do is you gotta you know research the company, you gotta look the company up, see what they're about, you know, see what they're you know promoting and things like that. So, because <clears throat> you know, I've I've been um, there's a couple other companies and you know people who's reached out to me and you know I look it up and. You know, a lot of times it's just like, you know, I, I don't really want to, you know, represent that. But, you know, when they reached out to me, first off, they're a Christian based company. Um, they, you know, they they sell a lot of football gear and things like that. And, you know, it's a lot of, um, you know, motivational type of things and, you know, inspiration. And so, you know, they reached out to me and I was just like, you know what, this is a, you know, it's a pretty good opportunity for me, you know, especially being, you know, um, you know, a D3 athlete. And I was just like, you know, this would be, um, a good way too to represent, you know, like the smaller schools. And so, um, one of the first things I did was, you know, as soon as they reached out to me, <clears throat> I did my research and I knew right away, you know, it was, it was legit, you know, they're, you know, they're a pretty big company that based out of New Jersey. And so, um, the first thing I did was I was like, okay, I want to make sure I do everything the right way. You know what I'm saying? As far as, you know, making sure, you know, I don't lose eligibility or get the school in trouble or anything like that. And so, um, first thing I did was, <clears throat> you know, I let my head coach know, I was like, Hey, you know, this is a deal. Um, you know, I, I have this NIL, uh, you know, sponsorship, you know, they, you know, they want me to be a part of their brand. Um, this is what the deal, you know, entails, um, you know, should I do it? And not only that too, you know, what steps should I take, you know, to go through this? And so basically he, you know, he was just like, you know, that's, that's a good opportunity. That's a good thing. And, and, uh, the first thing that he did was, you know, he, he took me right to the compliance guy. And so, um, you know, and, and ETBU, um, I know they was one of the first, actually, they were the first non D one to, to sign with open doors, you know, and, and get everything ready, you know, prepare for this. So they were really prepared, you know? And so it was really easy, you know, the process was really easy. So, you know, I let compliance know, um, you know, they send me paperwork back to fill out, you know, and things like that. And I send it back to them and I was just like, Hey, if there's anything else I need to do, you know, let me know. And so, um, it really went, you know, you know, pretty smoothly. Well, D Flash, one of the things that makes you a little different than than your average D three athlete, and you can kind of see that behind the wall there, is that you 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 have played at the Division one level. You've had some experience in in that kind of uh, recruiting and 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 type of an environment. Did did your experience at Texas A and M kind of make you more um, 
able to or, or available uh, or open to this kind of opportunity? Or was it still just like you mentioned, you know, you still had to go through the, the find out the steps because as we've kind of seen across the board with NIL at the moment, there's not a whole lot of rules or structure around it just yet. Um, so tell us mm -hmm. a little bit about that experience. Yes, sir. I would definitely say, you know, being at the division one level and, and, and playing in the SEC and being a part of that, I really do think, you know, that was that helped, um, you know, because, you know, I saw a lot of things. And and not only that, too, um, you know, me being an older guy and a grad student, too, is, um, you know, there's a level of maturity that comes along with it. So and that's one thing, you know, that I feel like is dangerous is, you know, if you have a freshman or you got a guy that's just now coming in and and, um, you know, and they have these opportunities and they're not sure you know, how to deal with it or their uh, purpose for, you know, getting these brands is, is the wrong way. You know, if they just like, oh, I'm just trying to make a lot of money, you know, and, and they're young minded, you know, I can see the danger in that. But being an older guy, understanding, you know, uh, what the uh, the sole purpose of this NIL really, you know, should really be for and things like that, you know, I, I think that helps. So I definitely do think my time at Texas A&M, you know, helped me kind of, um, you know, go through this, go through this process. The D1 versus D3 question we, we've seen, and JB and I have uh, discussed it internally and externally, what mm -hmm. the effects would be comparatively between D1 and D3. A D3 guy has on average, what, a thousand followers maybe on Twitter and Instagram, mm -hmm. which are the two, I think, most prime places, maybe TikTok these days. Uh, a mm -hmm. D1 guy has add two zeros to the end of that usually mm -hmm. in terms of followers uh, on those same social media platforms. Do you think realistically as this plays out over the next few months especially this is going to have this big effect on division three that some people are predicting compared to d1 what do you think the differences are going to be in terms of the effects on each division um really and truly i just feel like that um you know it's, it's so different you know division one and division three um I, I do think it will have some you know positive effects on on division three football and and, you know, positive as far as just like really bringing attention to Division three football and really, um, you know, just kind of, you know, putting putting guys on the map, you know, having people who maybe normally doesn't watch Division three football, maybe them say, OK, you know, this guy just signed, I don't know, a deal with, you know, vitamin water or Puma or, you know, something like that. Let's start paying attention to, you know, what they're what they're doing. D does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Got two last questions for you, and uh, this is kind of uh, uh, your spotlight moments, both of them. So uh, sit back, relax, and here we go. Uh, first, let's say a random player from Union College, which was my school. That's why I'm uh, using it here in upstate New York. Okay. Gets an email from you know local pizza place uh, that says, "Hey, we want to use you and advertising." What would your advice be to that player right now in terms of what to do from seeing that email to making it come to fruition ultimately or not? I mean, a lot of these deals may get passed up for various reasons. We've talked about some of the reasons you might not want to do it in this show. But what would your advice be to the player that received that, maybe a freshman or a sophomore uh, in that school or any school? Go ahead. Give us your mm. best practices that you've seen or that you've employed here. Um, you know, my advice would be, especially if it's locally, first of all, see what the deal really entails. Okay. Is, is it, is it money? Is it compensation? Is it, you know, like you said, it's, it's pizza. So are you getting free food? 
you know, are they going to promote you as far as, you know, social media or are they going to you know, take a picture of, you know, eating a pizza, you know, and post you, you know, so what was, what does the deal really entail? You know, what, what do you really want? What are you trying to get out of it? Are you trying to really gain followers? Are you trying to um, really just, um, you know, promote and, you know, shed a light on, you know, smaller school or are you, are you just trying to make money? You know, what's, what's your objective? So once you figure that out, then the next step is, you know, you want to have that relationship with your coach, either if you, if it's your head coach or position coach, and just say, hey, you know, this opportunity came about, you know, talk to, talk to them about it, you know, whether, you know, you should do or not. Talk to your parents about it, you know, or somebody really close, you know, anybody who's, um, you know, anybody who's really, you know, I'm not going to say who has common sense, but anybody who's, you know, aware, you know, of, of what's going on and things like that with the NIL. And then from there, you know, go to your compliance guy, you know, and make sure, you know, whether you accept or you don't accept it. But if you do, you know, just take all the right steps, fill out all the paperwork, let them know, you know, what all the deal entails and, um, you know, and, and go from there. Great advice. Uh, and, you know, I think that the front end of that advice, especially JB, uh, you and I have been talking about yeah. the idea that companies could go and run with your name, image and likeness for other purposes other than what you intended. And so you need to protect mm -hmm. that fact up front and make sure they don't do that. And that's part of the agreement, ultimately, and making sure that the agreement reads correctly so they can't do that to you and abuse exactly. your uh, name, image and likeness. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the folks out there that are yeah, providing counsel, as you suggest, are going to look out for that, especially uh, for people out there receiving these yes, opportunities. And so and the, the and second, the, oh, go ahead. I know. I, I was just saying, and just to touch on that too, like for me personally, you know, as far as you know, brands and NIL deals, things like that. Um, and this can be, you know, advice for you know younger guys or anybody else who's going through this. You know, partner with somebody, or if you get opportunity, or if you get, you know, uh, a sponsorship or deal. Make sure it kind of complements you, you know, who and who you are as a person. So, like for me, like with elite athletic gear, you know, they're really Christian based, you know, really faith based, and you know, it's it's an inspiring company, and you know, that's that's I would I would like to say that's how I am as a person. And so, if it's anything promoting, because I know like I know like um you know once I talked to you know Adam and and the compliance here, it was just like you know can't really promote you know cigarettes, alcohol, things like that, you know, so just really find something that you know complements who you are as a person so like you some of my pizza like if, if your favorite food is pizza if you're a pizza guy if you love pizza hey that'd be perfect you know what i'm saying yeah so i think that's important too you know find something that fits you or you know whatever opportunity that that you feel like is you you know it's it's always going to work out so awesome advice uh and uh, we truly appreciate that you're showing your uh, maturity in terms of uh, you called yourself an old guy uh, earlier in the interview uh you're talking to two forty really somethings here, here on, so i mean <laughs> <laughs> but you're showing a maturity that we can truly appreciate so thank you for that uh the other thing is i don't know if you've seen this before uh you know uh, being the uh, d1 guy used to be and all that stuff but we give mm -hmm. the student athlete the final word in terms of shout outs to any friends family teammates coaches etc that might be watching since uh, you are our only student athlete here, you are the only shout outs uh, that we're having on this show. So come on, let's hear Ooh. it. Caleb D. Flash Ooh. Egan's. Well, I'm going to shout out my dad. Shout out my dad, Rayford Egan's from, from Jewett, Texas, uh, East Texas. I'm going to shout out my grandparents, uh, Jewett, Texas. I'm going to shout out my head coach, Coach Maper, uh, my receiver coach, Coach Wilson, uh, a few teammates of mine, A Dot. I'm going to shout him out, Justice Henson, uh, KJ Kelly. Uh, one of the young bucks, Anaya, he's a linebacker. He hey, he's gonna be nice. But uh 
yeah. Love it. Uh, the young bucks. I just love this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we always get concerned going in that uh, we're going to end up with a student athlete that's not mature about certain subject matters. Uh, but we, we talked to Adam enough online and we, we saw some stuff from D Flash and we were like, you know, this guy is mm-hmm. uh, pretty good or, you know, pretty adept at discussing these issues. And uh, he really was. I, I mean, the stuff that he told us, I think, was really good stuff the advice his best practices right. uh, you know from student athlete to student athlete I, I really like what he had to say and i think there's value in listening to him yeah he may have been the first out of the box yeah maybe he didn't wait for all the information to come out but he did go to the right people to make sure he wasn't making a mistake and thought about what the brand represented and what he represents and made sure that was in tandem with each other can't fault that logic no, and I, and I do think, you know, he might be the exception to the rule in the sense that he does have that, you know, Texas A&M background and a little bit of Division One experience. Uh, but at the same time now, the, the way NIL is set up, it's going to it's going to be an option for uh, almost anybody at this point. So uh, I think his advice was sound and you can hear kind of a common theme throughout all the four people that we've had on the show. Uh, it's, it's basically you know, do your due diligence, talk to somebody you trust, whether that's someone that you're paying to review uh, documents or just someone who with a you know, background in either the accounting or the legal contract language. And also, you know, work with your coaches and your compliance officers at your respective schools to make sure that you're in the best place uh, possible so that you don't end up in a situation where you're finding out after the fact, oh, I missed a spot or I missed a step. And now all of a sudden my team and teammates are getting impacted from a, a potentially the wrong or bad decision. Let's uh, put up the two slides again, uh, all six concerns. And then uh, we'll also put up all six best practices that we've come up with here. Again, not exhaustive. It's something uh, from us uh, to you. It is not anything that's been endorsed by the NCAA, but you've heard the common themes throughout the show that I think represent these things. And we're just going to wrap up here to give you the the overall reminder. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And be careful with it because even if it isn't, it could be affecting things that you haven't thought of before, the financial aid question, or just the brand of what it represents versus your own brand that what you want to represent out there. Uh, You could be running afoul of your school's contracts and cause issues that way and then you're put into a real dilemma if you sign a contract that didn't have an out basically for such a situation you got to be careful and think about these things there's going to be more guidance coming out there jb and if i am a student athlete right now i keep saying it and i'm going to say it again wait till the fall term wait to see how this plays out for another month or two you don't have to be the next out of the box to do this And there will be opportunities as seasons develop here and more regulations and more concepts on what your penalties could be develop as well. Because right now, the assumption is you screw up, you lose your eligibility. Maybe the NCAA creates kind of a better pathway here on, you know, what the worst case scenario is and how to get yourself out of the worst case scenario ultimately if, God forbid, you make a mistake. Yeah, I, I agree, Frank, and I think uh, hopefully that you know schools and you know parents, students out there, you know, feel free to share this. You can use it in your preseason camps that are coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. We're excited that we're actually going to be able to you know have a fall season for the first time in a couple of years, which is exciting. And um, 
we certainly appreciate all the all the parties that were involved in today's show for taking the time and, and helping us put this thing together for you. And uh, we'll see you season 14 coming up pretty soon. Season 14, indeed. But uh, one thing we should say, uh, we're going to run the full uh, D-Flash interview and the full uh, Spry interview uh, as Twitter solo things uh, later on next week so that uh, you can hear all the advice and all the conversation. We had yeah. to cut them short here uh, because of uh, time and content purposes. But uh, we're going to run those in full next week. So make sure you tune into those if you have more uh, interest in you know hearing D Flash's story, and or uh, hearing about Spry and other concerns that Lyle had. So we uh, we have a lot more where this came from. We just want to make sure we kept this to at least under an hour fifteen. Essentially, this show. I'm not sure how we did. We'll we'll see it in editing. But uh, folks, we'll see you, you and I, uh, JB, uh, in season fourteen when it starts up next month. And uh, I'm excited about it. Well, let's get back to. Normal football to the degree it can be normal football. More on that another time. Thanks for joining us.